run to Nice Pass with Seeing Deep Ministries, where we see deep in a shallow world and overcome the battles of the mind with the Word of God. This week in the Bible Tribe Reading Plan, a common theme emerges of how to navigate broken relationships. Relationships with others begin with our relationship with God, but inherently we don't seek God. Notice Psalm 14, verse 3. Everyone rejects God. They are all morally corrupt. None of them does what is right, not even one. Rejection is our fleshly reaction to others when we are offended by them. And it begins with our rejection of God. When we are not in a right relationship with God, we cannot be in a right relationship with man. So how do we rightly relate to God? Psalm 15 paints a picture of this for us. It says, Lord, who may dwell in your sacred tent? Who may live on your holy mountain? The one whose walk is blameless, who does what is righteous, who speaks the truth from their heart, whose tongue utters no slander, who does no wrong to a neighbor and casts no slur on others, who despises a vile person but honors those who fear the Lord, who keeps an oath even when it hurts and does not change their mind who lends money to the poor without interest, who does not accept a bribe against the innocent. Whoever does these things will never be shaken. Notice the key attributes of this person who is pleasing to God. He does what is right. He speaks the truth. He does not slander. He does not harm others. He does not insult his neighbor. He does despise a reprobate, someone who is ungodly and perverse. He does honor the Lord's loyal followers. He does keep his commitments. He is honest in his dealings. How are we treating others? A key word stands out in this list, the word insult. This is at the root of our broken relationships. We become offended. Then we let that offense be our rationale of why the other person is toxic, toxic, and feel justified in shunning them. We learned in our readings this week, though, that God has a different way for people to treat one another. It might be that we cannot do anything about certain relationships because we've been rejected and shunned, maligned, slandered, and gossiped about. What then? Give it over to Jesus and don't let it embitter your soul. It is their problem, and we need to release our offense as Jesus bore our offenses. We can still choose peace when the other person does not. In Job, we learn about navigating our relationship with God. When we suffer, are we mad at God? Do we doubt his character? How are we to relate to a holy God? Job wanted to speak with God to prove his case in Job 13, verse 3. But I desire to speak to the Almighty and to argue my case with God. There's a presupposition Job has that he is right and his suffering should end, that he knows better. But God is the potter, and we are merely the clay. Yet God came and died for us. He chose the suffering we so often want to avoid. Can we be okay with God doing what he wills in our lives, which are no longer our lives but his? He paid for us with his own blood. Job 13, 15, and 16 says, Though he slay me, yet will I hope in him. I will surely defend my ways to his face. Indeed, this will turn out for my deliverance for no godless person would dare come before him. Job's suffering ultimately turned into his deliverance and blessing. What seems like a mistake in the path that we take is often a setup for something a good God is doing in our lives. Surrender led to victory. 
We just need to keep our minds fixed on God's purposes and thoughts, not our own. We navigate our relationship with God best when we remember He is God, and we are not. Humility is the essential ingredient in our relationships with God and man. In Matthew, we learn about navigating conflicts with one another. I dare say that this familiar passage in Matthew 18 has been used against others in conflict rather than to operate in humility to seek to restore relationships. Matthew 18, 15 through 17 says, If your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault just between the two of you. If they listen to you, you have won them over. But if they will not listen, take one or two others along so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. If they still refuse to listen, tell it to the church. And if they refuse to listen, even to the church, treat them as you would a pagan or a tax collector. Sometimes people don't want restoration. When we have tried as much as it depends on us to heal broken relationships, and the other person is still continuing in sin or still unwilling to work through things with us humbly, we can't do anything about that other than to pray for them. But notice verse 17. What does treat them as you would a pagan or a tax collector mean? I think it means you don't condone sin, but you keep an open mind that maybe they will one day want to make things right. His kindness leads us to repentance. Are we kind to those who are an enemy to us? This is super hard, but what a witness to the gospel. The purpose of Matthew 18 is redemption and forgiveness, not accusation or judgment. Oh, how much our pride is a stumbling block in relationships. Jesus taught us that humility should be at the foundation of all our relationships. Romans 15 verse 3 says, For even Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. So often in our relationships, we choose an offense over the other person. We choose to be mad at someone we are supposed to love because they insulted us in some way or did not do what we expected. It might even be that we are presuming they did or didn't do something. Offenses build fences. And when we think about it, being offended is ultimately pride. But Jesus shows us how to operate in relationship to others in Philippians 2, 5 through 11, which pairs so well with Romans 15, verse 3. It says, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name that the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Humbling himself led to glory. Isaiah 40, 13 in our reading this week is the healing balm our souls need. If we could just think like God, we would not become ensnared with all the foolish thoughts and offenses that we ruminate on. Instead, we would meditate on God's thoughts. Isaiah 40 verse 13 says, Who comprehends the mind of the Lord or who gives him instruction as his counselor? This verse should be familiar 
as it was shared in week five alongside Romans 11, 34 through 35. It says, for who has known the mind of the Lord or who became his counselor or who has first given to him that it would be paid back to him? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. And also 1 Corinthians 2, 16, for who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? We have the mind of Christ. Friends, we can have the mind of Christ. The operative word is can. Paul says we have it, a declarative statement and a certainty. And then he says an imperative statement. We have the mind of Christ. Only those who have received the Holy Spirit through believing in Christ Jesus are able to have this mind. Yet believers can miss it as they acquiesce to thinking according to the things of man rather than the things of God. We grow accustomed to our own thoughts and believe them to be true. But what if we truly sought to walk in the spirit rather than the flesh? What would our relationships look like? They would be such a witness to the world of what God can do. There would not be fighting in church or unresolved fighting in families who claim to love Jesus. But peaceful relationships require laying down our thoughts and our right to be right and picking up Christ's attitude, as seen in Romans 15, verse 3 this week. Our reading in Judges reminds us that we broke our relationship with God. We violated his righteous laws, but he still pursued us. Judges 2, verse 10 says, That entire generation passed away. A new generation grew up that did not know the Lord or the work that he had done for Israel. Knowing God is the foundation for being able to relate to others rightly. In humility, we see we don't deserve God's kindness. How much more then should we show kindness to those we profess to love, even when they are not perfect? In our reading in Genesis this week, Isaac demonstrated that how to navigate sticky situations. You got any of those? Isaac had a conflict with Abimelech, king of the Philistines in Gerar. Now Isaac had lied about Rebekah, saying she was his sister because he was afraid that they would kill him because of wanting Rebekah. Then some Philistines ended up stopping up Isaac's wells and fighting about a new well that Isaac had found. Things came to a head where they needed to part company. Let's pick up reading in Genesis 26, verses 26 through 30. Meanwhile, Abimelech had come to him from Gerar with Ahuzath, his personal advisor, and Phicol, the commander of his forces. Isaac asked them, Why have you come to me, since you were hostile to me, and sent me away? They answered, We saw clearly that the Lord was with you. So we said, There ought to be a sworn agreement between us, between us and you. Let us make a treaty with you that you will do us no harm, just as we did not harm you, but always treated you well and sent you away peacefully. And now you are blessed by the Lord. Isaac then made a feast for them, and they ate and drank. Early the next morning, the men swore an oath. Then Isaac sent them on their way, and they went away peacefully. I think we need to bring treaties into our relationships again today. Not lawsuits like we see so much of today, but when things are at an impasse, to maturely call out the elephant in the room that caused the problem and choose to be at peace with one another, even if we don't see things eye to eye. This takes humility. Isaac made a feast for these people who had shunned and rejected him. Roasted marshmallows with them, possibly, maybe. 
He could have brought up the stopped-up wells and held a grudge, but he didn't. By the way, sidebar, but this story sounds familiar, right? Abraham also had an encounter with Abimelech, king of the Philistines, in Genesis 21, 22-34, which describes the covenant treaty between Abraham and Abimelech, king of Gerar. Same issue. He lied about his wife and stopped up wells, which led to fighting. But there was 75 years between Abraham's situation with Abimelech and Isaac's. We don't know for sure if it is the same king, but his commander had the same name in both situations. Deja vu? Maybe. But sometimes relationship problems continue in families. We have ways of dealing with others that might not be the healthiest. Also in Genesis 26, verse 35, we see that Isaac and Rebekah's son Esau and his wives were a source of anxiety and stress. Life is messy. The Bible shows us that. Broken relationships abound. Navigating relationships in this broken world is only possible through the mind of Christ. When we choose humility rather than pridefully being offended, God is honored in our relationships. How can you be like Christ in your relationships this week? Dying to self is hard, but it is the most freeing thing we will experience. Being freed from stubborn pride and giving grace to others frees us. Go with God, friends. Have a great week in Christ and share below how God is working in you to relate better to him and to others. Thank you.